Hello and welcome to Problem Solved. I'm IASE's Keith Albertson. In recent years, industrial and systems engineering concepts have been in great demand worldwide, increasing the need for ISE education and expertise. In this episode, we discuss this growth, starting with Gino Lim, IASE's Senior Vice President of International Operations and a professor and chair of the Industrial Engineering Department at the University of Houston. Dr. Lim joins us in our Problem Solve studios today. He's been meeting this week with the Board of Trustees here. First off, tell us a little bit about your role as Vice President of International Operations, some of the initiatives you're involved with the board. Thank you, Keith. Yeah, my role as SVP of International Operations is to um, serve the community beyond the North America. So that includes South America and uh, Middle East, Asia, Europe, and all, all other members we have uh, uh, worldwide. ISC membership has been growing very steadily in recent months, and a lot of that has been uh, international growth. We're getting a lot of new members and partners from outside the United States. What are some of the efforts you think and, and maybe some of the factors that has helped spark this growth? I would like to say um, a lot of effort coming from IISE uh, staff, including uh, Doug and James and other other folks, and more importantly, uh, Board of Trustees uh, initiative to expand the operation and serve a big community uh, worldwide. So. If you look at the uh, global population and the trend where it's going, it's, it's a one community, right? It's communities getting smaller and smaller in some way. And w- we need to reach out to those people, all community, that that are crucial for our organization. So that's the reason why it, it is growing. I, I think that this is going to continue to grow. And I know it's been a lot of the discussions in the board meeting on how to keep this going. What are some of the initiatives and some of the efforts you see coming down the road that are going to help? keep us going in this direction. So before I say that, uh, we have this theme uh, got a brand, as a branding, recruitment, engagement, and service, right, or retention. IISC is a big brand. Uh, obviously, uh, this uh, flagship organization in the United States, and we want to uh, push that to the um, all over the world. So some of the initiatives, uh, such as what uh, Doug has been doing, uh, uh, James, um, Reaching out to international uh, uh, partners, such as Indonesia, uh, we had a meeting with uh, 200 uh, department heads, and the um, meeting with uh, European uh, uh, partners, um, we had a great conversation with Norway, and France, and uh, Italy, and Spain, uh, they, all, uh, they will be on the list of, uh, of a conversation we'll have. So these kind of, uh, this kind of activities will, uh, will grow. We want to continue doing that. And, and on top of that, uh, you know, we had a great conversation uh, during the board meeting that how can we co- uh, co-sponsor uh, international conferences? I see that there's a big, big value. And as you know, I wish people from outside know IISC as much as we do internally. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, it's our duty and responsibility to educate them. Mm-hmm. And be able to, um, you know, communicate with them what we offer uh, that they can benefit them. 
mm-hmm. which they didn't know about, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it seems like a real opportunity there because as we see a lot of countries expanding their economies, a lot of organizations looking to improve their processes. We've had articles in our magazine and our November issue kind of focused on that, on how some of the developing countries are really starting to develop their organizations or businesses and their business processes. There seems to be a real opportunity there to reach out to them and connect them with the kind of training and expertise that we have to offer. Absolutely. You know, uh, we are talking about supply chain issues and uh, training, uh, student training, and just like Six Sigma we talked about before, uh, ABET training. These are all the things that every organization uh, would need, right? So it doesn't matter academic side or the industry side. And and good thing is that we do have the expertise within IISC, right? So these are something that we should really uh, bring bring up to the uh, international communities, which they, they love it, right? So, uh, and uh, the more we get them engaged, and I, I see this going to be a huge success in the moving forward. And, and a lot of your research uh, that you've done, we'll talk about that a little bit more, involves such things as health care. You've done some research on uh, port security, uh, evacuation planning. These are all things that are sort of worldwide concerns as we have, for instance, disasters and storms as a result of climate change. It seems like there are a lot of organizations in the world that need those sort of ideas and, and processes, right? I absolutely. Uh that's the beauty of, I, I think, ISC, you know, uh, industrial and systems engineering. Uh, commonly, people don't know what we do, right? So uh, I don't want to say we are jack of all trades, but the techniques we teach our, our students and uh, expertise we have, we are, yeah, we are good at modeling. We'll look, observe data and, and then try to find the creative solutions for academic people mm-hmm. and industry, right? So I think that's where I am thriving with those research and um, helping, as you mentioned, I'm helping with the uh, local hospitals, medical center, MD Anderson Cancer Center is one of the largest uh, uh, cancer center centers in the world. I work with them uh, on the um, cancer treatment optimization, as you mentioned about uh, evacuation planning. Uh, that's mm-hmm. a big, big issue. Um, Houston, uh, Louisiana, and Florida, and even New York, uh, they are getting hit by hurricanes. Mm-hmm. And how do you evacuate them quickly out of the harm's way so that you can save lives, mm-hmm. right? So these are kind of things we can use uh, um, analytics, optimization, simulation, all relevant. You're also part of a, a new group, the ISC International Ambassadors, that was recently formed, again, with sort of the, the, the same ideas in mind to do more outreach. What, what sort of efforts is, is that group undertaking at this point? Yeah, so before I say that, uh, I really appreciate the way uh, board of, IISC Board of Trustees uh, made it as a part of the uh, strategic plan, right? So based on that, uh, Bapaya and some other folks uh, got together and uh, let's push this as a new agenda. I think I see that now. Um, So they brought up this idea to IISC fellows meeting and we thought that's great. Is it perfect? Uh, that's in line with what we're trying to do. So uh, we had um, a volunteer group of eight uh, faculty members, and they're IISE fellows, and the f- uh, total eight, but uh, five of them are in the United States and three uh, outside the United States. And the tar- you know, we select those uh, member members uh, specifically targeting four different regions. 
you know, Middle East, uh, Europe, and uh, United States, and all that. So Asia. Uh, so what's happening now is we've been uh, talking with the uh, partners individually. So think about it. So we got a big push for reaching out to international partners. It can be a little vague. You know, I know Julie Swan and NC State uh, working with ACIDA came up with a list of universities uh, you know, worldwide. But that's, that's a great starting point. Now, we want to do something uh, more uh, intimate. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, people who, who are well-known uh, in different regions, such as Manoj, is well-known in India. Mm-hmm. So he will be the base, and he will be reaching out personally to people in India. And same thing for uh, um, other folks as well, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that's what we're doing, a little different than uh, other folks, in terms of uh, what what I do as SVP of, uh, of international operations, as well uh, as well as CEDA. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of puts a per- personal face to connect Absolutely. people a little bit. Yeah. Well, and there were, we also have seen some examples of some university partnerships partnering with other countries to share their expertise. Is uh, anything like that going on in the University of Houston? Or are there any sort of initiatives there that are sort of bringing people together globally? I think that, that is something I see huge uh, potential uh, uh, item that will give us a big uh, dividend uh, for the effort we're making. So yes, we do. Uh, so we got two uh, two tiers. One is student uh, exchange program, and the other one is a faculty exchange program. Uh, one gentleman that I've been enjoying uh, talking with uh, with the dog, uh, along with the dog. Um, Doug Long, uh, is Fabio. Fabio is a, a faculty in the, uh, Norway. He had an education in the United States, and he visited uh, Rutgers and some other universities. He, he loves it. So that is kind of people that we would love to find more, mm-hmm. uh, identify those people, and be able to give them what they are, uh, what they are looking for, right? Mm-hmm. So people, uh, things go well. When, when the organization provides the uh, venue, they can thrive. Mm-hmm. So that I see there as a huge benefit. So yeah, we do that within university. We, uh, we had a uh, faculty exchange with the uh, Chinese fac- uh, faculty members. Now they are helping me reaching out to their friends in China, right? So we'll be doing the same thing uh, in other countries. And in, in terms of student exchange program, I, uh, I've been uh, recruiting students from France every year. Uh, give them three months uh, internship. Uh, what that has been working well for me is to engage their faculty from their university. Right? So I think that is a great way to I- expand our networks. Yeah, we look forward to see where this, this goes in the future and how we continue to grow in this direction. You're telling us briefly about some of the other research you're involved with, including surveillance drones. Just give us a little, <laughs> uh, a little taste of what you're working on right now. Yeah, you know, this drones, uh, research in drones is amazing. And uh, it just, it's fun. And uh, initially I began doing this. It um, came out of nowhere. Uh, a friend of mine from Texas A&M University, uh, uh, pu- uh, School of Public Health, um, he and I uh, would love to get together for a beer, right? So we, we sat down and I told him, look, I've been playing with the drones. And it's really cool because this is going to be future. I knew there was going to be future. That was several years ago. And, and, um, and then he just uh, kind of challenged me. 
hey, can you do something about rural, rural patients, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Can you help them somehow? I was like, uh, how, how can I help them? <laughs> and so he and I kind of talked about it and realized, you know what? There is a way we can help them. Uh, you know, rural patients, not like urban patients, uh, they live, the houses are like miles apart from each other, mm-hmm. right? And so they get those, um, those prescription drugs and all that. Yeah, you can, do, you can do so using mail order and other things. What's lacking? Access, real-time mm-hmm. access. And that really difficult to find uh, medical providers to work with the rural patients because it, this profit is not there much, right? So we thought that, well, that'll be great. So with drones, I can, I can put microphones, cameras, whatever I want to. So let's do that. So that will be, uh, we can augment those uh, technology and give them access to the provider in real time. Right, so we'll deliver this uh, medical um, supply, whatever that may be. It could be a uh, routine uh, medicine they have to take, or anything else you want to test them. Right, so now you fly drone to their reg- uh, location, and then it can talk to them in person. Right, so that makes that's that is huge difference between what you do with the mail order from Amazon or other things. Right. Yeah. Uh, so uh, you know is. Wonderful uh, opportunity for the uh, uh, rural patients because now they don't have to drive to the clinic. Yeah, they don't have to worry about well, you know, weather condition. You know, in, in Houston, sometimes you know, flooding happens all the time, so they don't have to worry about that, right? So we've been expanding that now. With uh, there's a wonderful optimization problem called uh, drone-based, uh, mothership-based drone routing. So now you send the truck. And the drone will go, and you can dispatch drone from there and meet the patient and do whatever you need to do and bring it back and continue doing that, right? So that's a similar idea as uh, last mile delivery, but that's different. Complete, oh, well, it's not completely different problem, but there are different problems that we've been tackling. Uh, and the surveillance you mentioned, yes, um, Homeland Security. Uh, Homeland Security is a big issue for the country, right? So uh, United States um, share a big border a long border with Mexico, four states, California, Arizona, New Mexico, and, and Texas. So uh, not all borders are like uh, wide open. Some of them are pre- pretty uh, harsh environment. And you hire people to patrol the border, and, and, and yeah, there's pros and cons. Uh, giving them a job is a good thing. I think we should maintain that. Bad thing is you hire those well-educated people to do simple things. Mm-hmm. Now, even so, what you're missing, you're missing the those the uh, areas where people cannot go often. The second, if you send people to patrol, it's not continuous uh, surveillance. So if you get send a drone, it's not expensive drone. I'm not talking about you know expensive million-dollar drones. It's small drones, right? If you send uh, send the drones, you can do continuous surveillance uh, along the border any way you want. Uh, one caveat is battery. Yeah. <laughs> so small drones uh, can fly for 25 minutes. That's the, that's gonna help. Uh, that's gonna be a solution. So we uh, we came up with this kind of very nice idea. I think a very nice idea. I hope that people will agree. Uh, you can do the uh, you can uh, install this uh, power line along the border where drones can continue 
continuously uh, fly along the border and being charged while they're flying. Yeah, yeah it can have much longer flight time. It's like a third rail for a train. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's what the idea is. Wow. So this, uh, I, I hope that, you know, someday they will uh, see this as a value and be able to implement. But as of now, I do not have the actual line. Uh, I haven't, you know, this, I'm a... Uh, uh, and those uh, engineer who really has not spent much time on developing device other than the idea. So I'm just waiting for someone to pick up yeah. uh, to make it happen. Yeah. Well, drones are really cool, and we're fascinated by that. So I'm definitely going to follow up with you on that yeah. to see how it comes along later. We appreciate your time today. Thanks so much for talking to us. We're glad to have you here with our board this week, and uh, we look forward to seeing what comes in the future. Thank you. You guys are wonderful. I, uh, oh, I'm always excited about what we can do for other other. Uh, people in IISC, expanding the uh, networks we have and get, uh, having other people know what we do so they can, they, uh, they can get benefit from us, right? So thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you. Next, we talk to IISC's Doug Long and James Swisher on the Institute's global partnership outreach efforts and the ongoing expansion of international training courses. Doug and James, thanks for being with us as we talk about our international growth. Doug, let's start with you. We've seen a lot of growth in our partners and membership and a lot of it internationally. Just give us a general idea of the kind of growth we've been uh, looking at recently. Well, uh, I'd be happy to. Uh, thank you, Keith. The growth we've been seeing really over the last, I'd say, probably uh, three years in particular has been significant. And most of that growth has actually been coming from our international partners, uh, really around the world, uh, and there's no region where we're really not growing right now. IIC is has has long uh, since uh, been uh, aiming to be a truly global uh, association that represents the industrial systems engineering profession, and I think we're finally at a point where we're really realizing that. And uh, really, in the last, I'd say, six to twelve months in particular, uh, the growth has really accelerated, and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that that we're now reaching our academic partners and industry partners really around the world. We come up with a lot of really creative ways to try to serve them. And uh, so we're really excited about the growth. And as you say, this is not just an accident. Uh, this has been a, a kind of a movement uh, and, and an effort. Tell us how the specific focus of ISC leaders has been to grow our, our membership internationally. Well, the Board of Trustees, which is the, the governing body, uh, elected uh, leaders from our membership, uh, they have long since been focusing on international growth. Uh, that's always been a priority for the Institute. Uh, and we've had some success in the in past years, but nothing like what we're really seeing right now. And I would say probably uh, three to four years ago in particular, there was increased emphasis and so with their support, uh, a lot of outreach uh, and really seeking a lot of feedback from our international partners on how we can better serve them. Uh, we've had a renewed emphasis around that. Uh, one of the parts of my role here at the Institute uh, is really focusing on that international growth. So I've been spending a larger proportion of my time uh, really focusing on outreach efforts, uh, 
trying to seek the voice of the customer from our existing partners to really better understand how we can serve them. And with their help, their input, and, and a lot of effort here by uh, staff and the team members, we've really been trying to tailor our products and our services really in a way that better serves our members outside the domestic U.S. And James, turning to you on the training side, give us an idea of the kind of efforts we're seeing in reaching our training out uh, across the world, especially since for a couple of years there during the pandemic, we weren't able to do as much training or certainly in person. Just give us an idea of where we are with that right now. Yeah, that's a, it's a great question, Keith. And, you know, it's funny when you think about how broad our discipline is, you know, we've, we've got uh, 14 bodies of knowledge or 14 areas in the body of knowledge, the IISC body of knowledge. We offer more than 75 courses through the training center. So we've always, you know, we've got this broad, we've got this broad field of expertise and we've got all these courses that cover it. But the one thing we haven't always been is broad in terms of our geography, our outreach um, beyond the U.S. And, and I guess I would say North America. Um, we certainly have had a longstanding um, uh, relationships with uh, universities in both Canada and Mexico. But outside of North America, we weren't doing a whole lot. And I'm really proud of the efforts that that Doug and the team have um, have taken on over the last couple of years that really have expanded our our ability to reach uh, outside of uh, outside of the U.S. and bring value to people all around the world. This is an international discipline, and it's wonderful to be able to offer training opportunities internationally as well. Uh, you know, far and away, just, just like in the U S our most popular courses definitely are our lean six Sigma, uh, certification programs. That's certainly true internationally as well. And, you know, you mentioned the pandemic, um, one of the things pre pandemic that, that, um, was a challenge for us is those classes were taught almost exclusively live in person. And the pandemic really forced us to rethink how we offer our training programs and um, really um, get smarter and better at offering uh, programs that didn't rely just on a live instructor in a group classroom setting. So our what we call live stream courses, which is a live instructor uh, with over the Internet. Um, Those courses have really evolved for us and have given us a great platform to serve uh, to serve groups outside of the U.S. And then our asynchronous uh, online on-demand training, our self-paced training. Um, We've really expanded the availability in multiple languages for those courses so that we can offer courses in non-traditional formats. It doesn't have to be a classroom format with an instructor. That's really, really changed the game for us. So while the pandemic was hard on us and hard on lots of organizations, it really forced us to think differently and to create programs that make our training much more accessible to international participants. And we're really proud of that. We're excited about it. And the other thing that it did, it it also opened our eyes to bringing in instructors from outside the U.S. So having um, live remote instruction from instructors outside of the U.S., but that's way more possible than it ever was. In fact, we've got a, a, a wonderful uh, Data Science 101 course uh, with Ed Biddle from IBM UK. 
you know, that that course wouldn't have been possible a couple of years ago. Ed wasn't going to fly to the U.S. to do that. Probably. <laughs> Maybe he was, <laughs> but probably not. <laughs> but now Ed can reach an international audience, um, you know, in seconds. So I think that's uh, really a, a wonderful opportunity for us, not only to grow our, how our outreach to participants in the courses, but also to grow the number of instructors that can reach folks around the world. And and it's really a growth area. As you mentioned too, it's a real, it, it's given us an opportunity to kind of retool how we do our virtual training a little bit too. How is it a little bit different in terms from an instructor's point of view to be able to take that virtual training and and really connect with people as well? Well, that's a, that's a million dollar question, isn't it? I think we're still learning. Um, our instructors have worked really hard and we've worked you know, very closely with them to really tailor the, the hands-on exercises that we used to do in, in live in-person courses and make them applicable to, you know, to a remote virtual audience. So we've worked really hard to make sure that there's lots of opportunity for interaction and collaboration among the group, um, that the exercises are things that folks can do individually um, from their individual location but still in a group setting. Um, and we've also worked uh, with some of our training partners to provide some uh, simulations and tools that um, that are a lot of fun, that, that replicate things that we do in person in our classes. So uh, many people are familiar with our uh, the statapults that we use for uh, Six Sigma courses that teach you about variability. Well, it's kind of hard to set up a catapult online, <laughs> but mm-hmm. we do have a training partner who has a wonderful online simulation of that exact same idea of setting the settings on the catapult and aiming at a target and seeing how close you get. So we've really tried to be um, smart about taking the best elements of what works live in person and um, and tweaking those to make them relevant to either you know, a live virtual audience or to an audience that's taken the material at their own pace. And kind of a thought for both of you, in, in addition to our efforts uh, to outreach, I think we're seeing uh, worldwide a lot of developing economies in particular really hungering for the kind of um, methods and ideas in ISE training and, and partnership. Uh, starting with you, Doug, are you seeing like maybe just a real quest for what we offer based on the fact that a, a lot of countries are growing their manufacturing base and really want to expand the way they do things? You know, that's a that's a great question, Keith. Um, and the answer is the short answer is yes. <clears throat> uh, and what we're seeing is that really around the world, particularly com- countries that are growing uh, from an industry standpoint, uh, particularly in a lot of industries like manufacturing and others, <clears throat> there is a huge demand for talent coming out of universities with the industrial systems engineering background for many reasons. One, there's a huge need for it within the country uh, to certainly uh, improve productivity, quality, uh, optimizing processes, and really making them cost competitive, not only within their country, but really globally. And uh, we have a lot of large partners who I've heard say over and over, one of the things that they love about industrial systems engineers is the fact that they can use them kind of like utility players. Wherever they throw them, they land on their feet and they normally are able to do a great job for them. So it's a very, very versatile skill set. James and I are obviously probably a little biased here because that's our background as well. 
but candidly, it is one of the most universally uh, applicable disciplines that you could possibly have. And I, I say that with a, a lot of objectiveness because I've I've hired hundreds and hundreds of all types of engineers across my career. But hands down, the most versatile is the industrial systems engineer. And I think that's the reason why we see in a lot of these countries, the largest single engineering program often is industrial systems engineering. It is considered to be the profession of choice because the demand is so high for that type of talent. And such a flat earth economy right now, too, that all these skills really apply everywhere. James, that kind of training that we do is really going to be helpful to pretty much everyone in any economy, right? No doubt. That's exactly right, Keith. Um, you know, I, I think there was a time when we saw a difference between the kind of education and training opportunities that were available in the U.S. and outside of the U.S., but that's really no longer the case. Um, I, Doug and I experience this every day as we particularly as we work with universities internationally. Um you know, they have fantastic programs. They have super bright kids uh, who are, um, you know, who are really um, ready, willing and able <laughs> to uh, to take on anything that the world throws them. And uh, they're looking for the exact same opportunities that folks in the U.S. are looking for. And in particular, looking for those certification opportunities to enhance their resume and give them some unique skills to help them um, help them differentiate them from their peers. So. Uh, you know, again, our Lean and Six Sigma programs um, definitely are just as popular outside of the U.S. as they are in the U.S. And for the same reasons, because students know they're going to get uh, a great certification that looks great on a resume. But more than that, they're going to get some skills that help them be successful at projects and differentiate themselves in their organizations. And, and just as kind of a closing thought for both of you, it, it, this international growth has got to be key not only to IISC, but also to the profession with um, so much growth in technology, so many changing uh, disruptions in, in uh, the way business operates. This is just key to growing that next generation down the road, isn't it? I think so. I, I think so. And, uh, you know, as Doug said, uh, um, you know, our our profession is so flexible. Um that people see the value in industrial engineers. So I think it's, that's not just a U.S. phenomenon. That's, that's an international phenomenon. So I think the, the health of our profession is great. <laughs> We're going to continue to see more and more IEs entering the workforce um, and doing really well and, and looking for those opportunities to excel. What do you think, Doug? Absolutely. You know, it's it's interesting because I also deal with uh, a lot of our large as well as small partners as well. And one of the, the, the areas that I happen to be involved in is some of the competitions. And what is really encouraging to me, and I think it's a reflection of our membership today. I don't think I mentioned this earlier, but uh, at what time, one time, just a few years ago, uh, the proportion of our members that were outside the U.S. were in single digits. Today, most people probably don't realize, but we're at more than 50 percent are outside the U.S. <clears throat> and so that's a wonderful growth. And I think kind of a, a testament to a lot of the work that the board and staff here has been doing uh, with a lot of outreach and really trying to meet the needs of our our partners really around the world. But when I look at the submissions that take place for competitions and awards, it is just exciting to see how diverse the mix is and how many 
you know, student teams from outside the U.S. are winning, you know, competitions and awards. Great ideas are invented everywhere. And so this is part of our mission is to unite the profession worldwide. And, and I'm just really excited on the progress we're making. You never really get there. This is a never ending continuous journey. Uh, but I'm really excited about the progress that we're making uh, with our leadership, uh, with, with the staff here and really with the incredible support of all of our partners today worldwide. We have well over 100 partners and that number is growing every single months. So uh, uh, it's just, a, it's an exciting time for the profession. It's really an exciting time here at the Institute. So uh, it's a lot of fun. It definitely is. Yeah. And we're seeing that reflected also in ISC Magazine. We're getting a lot of contributions from uh, outside the U.S. We uh, feature our international issue in November with quite a few of those. And that, again, just expands the the reach that we have and the number of people we are able to get involved. So it's an exciting time. Guys, we appreciate your time and uh, we look forward to see where this takes us in the future. Thanks, Keith. Thank you, Keith. You've been listening to Problem Solved, the IISE podcast, a production of the Institute of Industrial and Systems Engineers in Norcross, Georgia. We hope you'll share this and other Problem Solved episodes with your friends and colleagues. Learn more about sponsorship and advertising opportunities, as well as how you can become a member of IISE by visiting podcast.iise.org.